really to me the three key things that that PMs need to focus on. That's not just you know the nuts and bolts of the job. And I think for context, I think a lot of people today are missing that gap from like you know I'm I'm working every day with with a team. We're doing great. You know what's the thing that's gonna help me grow my career over the next 18 to 24 months. And a lot of the time, I don't think that that information is really as readily available as it should be. And so to me, really, like there, there's three, I mean, they're huge areas, but they're, they're three things. CICD, I think, is the, the future. They're trying to solve the research problem in organizations. These kind of challenges that someone can't do what they want to do. And and I think the one that stuck out to me the most is just the amount of like, actually having passion and care. Welcome to the Elevated Life Show. Today on the show, we have Bo Blinder. He's a senior product manager at Salsify. And today we're going to talk more about how to become a better PM and just really dive into his experience in the product space. So Bo, thank you very much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I always like to get started with the very general who you are questions to set the context for people listening. So can you tell us more about who you are and then how did you get started into tech? Oh, yeah. So my name is Bo Blinder. I, uh, who I am, um, I graduated college with a history degree, actually, um, and no intention of ever working for a tech company. Um, I think I quickly found out that history degrees don't really pay a lot of money. Um, and I found a job after college uh, working as a project manager for a, a software startup in Montreal, actually. And then... Um, from there, and a couple other jobs, um, I wound up working in marketing actually in Boston for a, a health products company, and they had all these. They had an internal technology team, and they had all these projects that weren't going anywhere. And they were like, "Hey, like you know a thing or two about technology. You should be a product manager." So, um, you know, I had a pretty extensive background in like programming and taught myself to program in high school and stuff. So. That was kind of my my intro to the job. I actually didn't know it was a job until someone gave me the title, and it's that was seven years ago now. Yeah, and I'm sure back then it was even more of like, what is a product manager back then? Like, I'm sure it was like this like very random title that was. Just yeah, like, I like <laughs> I remember I Googled it and I was like, okay, I guess this is my job. And then I was the only one there, so I I spent you know a year and a half there afterwards, kind of figuring it out and and doing it all on my own. Right. So. It was a good intro. No, right, for sure. If you think back to that time, is it totally different from like what you do today as a product manager as far as like responsibilities and like teams that you work with? Can you tell us more about like maybe the main differences there? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was a very small company. It was all the technology was kind of internally focused so that, um, you know, they could optimize ad spend and things like that. Um, Since then, I mean... Today, what I do is, is really different. You know, I, I was just saying earlier, I was, I'm down in Nashville now visiting a, co- a client on site, trying to expand the use cases for our product. Um, you know, I work a lot more with the sales team. I do a lot more of our like marketing and positioning because we're looking right now for a product marketing person. Um, you know, even the scale of the projects I work on now, you know, I work with four different engineering teams now on, on basically one very large project at the moment. So it's it's very very different and also there's also way more information about how to be good at this job so uh (laughs) it would be nice to start now rather than than seven years ago what's like sort of kept you like curious and motivated to stay in the product space and not like leave it for something else yeah it's a good it's a good question so um i mean i i taught myself to program in, in high school i was you know really interested in in that for a while and kind of got away from it and as I, you know, got a little bit older and got into my career, I realized that solving those kind of technical problems was really interesting. But 
the thing that I kind of think I always knew was missing was knowing why you're solving those problems and what you're solving them for. And the, the role, you know, the role I have now is one where you kind of get to, you get to get really into helping engineers figure out how to solve the problem. You have to really get into defining the problem and uh, figuring out, you know, what the next set of problems are you're going to be tackling. All right, cool. So let's move into um, what's your what's been like the biggest learning that you've had in your in all your years of being in product um, that you can think of. Maybe the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I think one of the things that is is a real challenge for people is is especially in 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 companies that are complex or have a lot going on is making sure that you're internally communicating all the things you're supposed to. I mean, I think a lot of product managers are good at you know, breaking down problems, you know, explaining that to engineers, working with them to solve problems. But, you know, there's a whole other array of people from your sales team to your CEO to your marketing team. And, you know, Salsify now where I work is 360 people. So, you know, people ask me, you know, if if information isn't easily available, then I get a thousand questions every day and nobody knows what's going on. So I think that that that's, that's a major one. Cool. And then would you say that Salsify itself has always had a pretty good flow of communication or has it been something that you guys always have been like working towards um, on improving? I mean, it, it's 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 like that startup story, right? When I started, it was yeah. 70 or 80 people. And, the mm-hmm. you know, the folks that worked mm-hmm. with our customers were, you know, they were all experts on the product and experts on the industry. And, you know, so releasing features to them was like, hey, guys, the thing we talked about, you know, here it is. And now it's it's like, you know, we have we have people who have been there for two or three weeks and it's like, well, let's step back and talk about what the problem is and talk about what we're solving and walk through a lot more context. So um, I think we've been good at it. And I think that like any company, as we grow, it's learning how to get good at it at each scale. Yep. Yep. One of the reasons that I found out about you um, was because you put out this really great Medium article called Three Practical Ways to Become a Better PM in 2019, which is a great title. Great SEO there. Love it. <laughs> so yes. you give really good advice. You touch on these three like main core things that you would say that PM should take into account and really think about in order to start getting into that next level in their role or in their career, right? If you think about it in a very high level way. So can you talk to me about those three ways? Like maybe just list them out for us and then can we dive deeper into what each of them mean and maybe your history behind each of them, why you think they're important for PMs to have? Yeah. I mean, really to me, the three key things that that PMs need to focus on. That's not just, you know, the nuts and bolts of the job. And I think for context, I think a lot of people today are missing that gap from like, you know, I'm, I'm working every day with, with a team, we're doing great. You know, what's the thing that's going to help me grow my career over the next 18 to 24 months. And a lot of the time, I don't think that that information is really as readily available as it should be. And so to me, really like there's, there's three, I mean, they're huge areas, but they're, there are three things, right? Like one of them is all about making sure you're bringing the context to either conversations with engineers or with other stakeholders. The other one's really finding a way to spend time working on things that are important. Um, I think anyway, as anyone knows, you can easily get sucked into a million different things every day. And really the way to keep your career going is to find ways to minimize those distractions. Um, and then the last one is really just about understanding how you can become more of a leader in your organization. And that's regardless of whether you're an associate product manager or director of product management or, you know, whatever, there's, there's a way really to start putting yourself into the conversation and, and and being looked to as a leader across the organization. 
Um, and so for me, really, I mean, I think about the context one a lot. I think, you know, I think one of the things that I'm really fortunate to have, and I, I think a lot of people are more than they're aware, is that most most engineers, most people who don't talk to customers really want to. Like, no one wants to build something that nobody uses. And so being able to bring all of the, the use cases, the scenarios, like we record all of our calls with customers and I send them to our engineers, they listen to them, they ask questions, like I brought them in to do demos before. Um, you know, making sure they really understand kind of who the people are, exactly what they're doing and can like, my goal is that, you know, when they're off making decisions, they can, you know, think back and like hear somebody's voice and be like, oh, this is, we should do this because of what I heard in this conversation. And I think that's a really powerful way to build software. And it's also a lot of fun, like having a group of people, like, you know, we have like six or seven engineers on one team and we had a call last week and, you know, they were all firing questions at this person and listening to them. And it was, it was really great. Um, and I think it really helps build better software and build a better team. Mm -hmm. Right. On the, on the deep work thing, um, you know, I, I mentioned in the, the article, Cal Newport, um, he wrote a couple books that I think are really interesting for people. One of them is called Deep Work. Uh, and one of them is called um, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And he's he's a very smart guy. He's a, he's a computer science professor. Um, and really the, the, the goal here, whatever you want to call it, is like finding a way to spend time working on like really critical things, like whether that's strategy or uh, vision or positioning or something along those lines and making sure you can do it in a way that you, you, you have the time to do it. Um, I personally like hate Slack and email and tend to, I check my email in the morning and I check it maybe at lunch and I check it in the evening. And I, I, I honestly sometimes just close mm -hmm. Slack and, and go hide in a part of the office. Um, one, one of the things I've learned that I think is scary for people, but like if you're not readily available to answer questions, people will find other answers or find the answers to questions. Um, and you're not missing, at least in my experience, you're not missing much and you're not missing much important. And then kind of last thing, right? Just like learning how to, how to, you know, I think, I don't know. I think a lot of people, um, especially with more senior stakeholders, um, struggle a little bit in terms of being able to really engage with them. And, um, you know, in my experience, and I think I'm fortunate with the people I've been able to work with, a lot of them are really interested in helping, helping people who want to be helped get better at their job. And there are people across organ your organization that you'd be surprised if you were like, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee and talk about the business or talk about my career, or talk about what I could be doing for your team. Like, people respond to that and you can build these relationships that um, come in very, very handy in all aspects of, of employment and working there and, you know, driving strategy and understanding what you have to do and even, you know, helping resolve conflicts and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I agree with everything you said. Um, I did want to um, touch on the context one really quickly because I think it's hard to, I mean, I'm a PM as, as well. And I think it's, it's like a constant reminder that you have to like have for yourself. Like sometimes I want to just write it on my like computer as a sticky note or something just so it's always there for me because I think sometimes it's easy to forget. We like to assume things a lot. So it's like, I assume that like my engineering team knows what we're supposed to do and like who we're building for and like the problem that we're, we're solving for. So it's been like this really big learning experience to just like kind of take a step back and um, look at the user stories that you're writing as a, as an example and ask yourself like does this have enough, enough context if if someone if someone were to give this to me right and just be like hey work on this 
would I know enough to like go ahead and, and do it? Or would I know enough to like ask questions that would help me understand the problem a little bit better? When you think about context, did you kind of have like a, a point in time where you yeah. were just, where it kind of hit you like the, it kind of clicked like, okay, context is something that's super important and I need to start doing it every single day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a couple different threads. It was like, you know, I, I was grabbing a lunch with a, with a guy who, who I work with and he was asking some questions about, um, I can't, I honestly can't remember the specifics. He was asking some questions yeah. about a feature that we had built. And I was just like, you should know the answers to these. And it's not your fault that you don't know the answers. It's like, I'm not telling you all the things you need to know. Or like, and this was a feature we launched like two months ago. Um, and then the other one is like something you mentioned actually, which is just like, there's a cartoon floating around somewhere where all these people are like shaking hands and agreeing and it's got like thought bubbles and they're, you know, like oh, no. one of them is thinking of everything as circles. The other yeah. one's thinking of them as squares or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. like that image sticks in my head constantly. And I think that especially, I think especially when I was newer to product management and thought I needed to be somebody who like knew everything and could do everything. I was hesitant to like, be really explicit all the time. And now I, I mean, one of the things that I tell the teams I work with is like anything you, any story you pick up is like, that's like a, a promise that like you and me or you and our UX designer or somebody are going to like talk about what this is because the minute you start putting words down and like stand at a whiteboard, like those circles and yeah. squares become really obvious. And then you all get on the same page and there's not this, like I worked on this thing for two days and it's exactly the opposite of what you thought it was going to be. So these three ways that you can become better at being a PM, I think they're, I mean, this is my opinion, but I think they're pretty applicable to maybe other roles. But I wanted to ask you about that. Do you see your article on like these three ways that you pointed out, not just being limited to product managers, but being kind of accessible and things that other folks can can work into their um, career or skill set? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think that any of those things, if you take out some of the words in that specific article about, you know, the product management role are applicable to pretty much anything you do, like, you know, even even sales, right? Understanding the context of your customer, understanding their situation, understanding the, the product and how it solves their problem. Um, you know, I think that really these are just three kind of like life goals, like be better, be better at giving context you know, be better at spending time working on things that matter and be better at connecting with people who really are important are like three fundamental things. And, you know, I, I said in 2019, but, you know, these are things that I've thought about for, you know, three years probably. And I think about them all the time, you know, today and probably will for the rest of my career. And um, I will also leave a link to this article in the show notes. And I'll also share it out when this episode goes live, because I think even if you're not a product manager listening, take a take a skim through the through the article or read it fully because um, there's a lot of really great content on there that as Bo said can be applied to really any any role or any point um, really any point yeah. that you are in your life so yeah and anyone who's interested like the like Cal Newport's books are really straightforward he's a pretty straight shooter it's not like some you know really in-depth self-help book I mean the first one that I mentioned um so good they can't ignore you is um oh sorry that was the second one but that one is like he he wrote that when he was getting his phd at mit and it was like a year it was like his theory on how to be really good at any job and i think there's a lot in there that people can take away from that and deep work talks a lot about that second point that's i mean the whole book and he's a smart guy he's got some really good ideas and it's, it's definitely worth reading and they're quick reads 
that will also be a link as well. Um, thank you for sharing both both of those books by him too. Kind of taking a step back away from your article and talking a little bit more about your experience, I wanted to understand more about how you set up your engineering teams or your tech teams, depending on how they're called at, at Talsify. Um, how do you set them up for success? And if you have any like examples that you've maybe recently put into place. I, I think there's a couple of things. I think that, you know, we were talking about it, but really like pulling, pulling on engineers who want to be involved in customer conversations is really, really important. Um, letting them be able to hear these conversations and participate is like, first of all, incredibly motivating, but just helps really drive home things that they're otherwise just reading or being told by, you know, by you, by engineering managers, by anybody else in the company, like hearing those actual voices makes a, makes a huge difference. And then what we're working on right now is, is pretty complex. So there's a bunch of teams involved. And I think the thing that we're doing really well is, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a, the whole scope of this project is probably like a year plus a year and a half of work. And we've really tried to build it in a way that might take a little bit more time, but shows them really concrete results early on. You know, for example, we, we focus on building this configuration side of it along with kind of the, the, the end result piece. And they're both very limited. And in fact, like up until maybe this week, weren't really hooked up to work together, but, the fact that, you know, that we could sit down as a team and look at it and say, hey, look, you know, look at all these things we can set up and look at all these other things we can see. And you can start to see like the shape of, you know, what was just static mockups become something that's actually real and tangible in the product. I mean, other things that I really like to do with them is make sure that they like talk to like our sales engineers, for instance. So those are folks who like do custom demos. So like I'll bring them in to talk about, you know, successes that they had with various features, for instance. Um, so, you know, not just the customer side, but understanding how they're making people's lives better, like in the company too. And I think we do a good job of, you know, I think as a product manager, like you should attend every stand up, you should attend every planning session, you should attend every retrospective, like you should be part of that. Um, I think that teams really value PMs who put themselves as much kind of, you know, on the front lines with them as possible. Um, those are the things that like come to mind off the top of my head. Awesome. Yeah, no, those are three really important areas that I think if you take those into account, like simple ways to um, create more trust or create more accountability or help your engineering team just to be a little bit, feel more comfortable, right? Working on the product and, and know that their work is actually being valued. Um, they're not just code monkeys at the end of the day. Yeah, and so so much of this stuff like, it's like you you hear this stuff and it's like ah oh, that's like of course it's it's so it sounds so simple but all this stuff like in the context of everything you have to do every day it's it's hard and it's hard to remember and hard to set up and it but it that stuff like the small stuff makes such a difference yeah and i like that you mentioned i think it was the first one that you mentioned where it was like you have this big project but you're sort of setting it up in a way that the team is going to be able to see results early right they're not just building 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 and then in a year see this thing at the end of the day and it's something that came up recently for me um one of our engineering members or team members mentioned this but she was just like it's really like it's i really value being able to have smaller goals that i can see the output quicker rather than work on a project for like three months and like not see the end in sight right um and it's really important for mental health as well and i think not only for engineering but also for product managers or designers or whatever role you're in 
It's to really like chunk out work um, so that it doesn't yep. feel endless, right? Because there is an end. It's just that it's so far away and there's so much to it and there's so much time and maybe a ton of people you have to communicate with. But if you start chunking it out and if you start setting these like smaller, nicer goals, um, it really helps with the motivation and, and drive, yeah. right? Um, which I'm yeah. sure you've experienced before. I experience it all the time. Um Yep. But it's just it's a form of form of habit, I think, just like always remembering, like, let me set up set this up in a different way, not only for myself, but also for my team so that they can see that their work is actually it's it's getting out there. Right. It's not just in their local development environment. Yeah. And I, it helps you it helps you build better product, too. Like the sooner you can get people actually using it. And that was one of the challenges for us is like this. This project is something that's very difficult because for full customers to be able to use it. There's a ton of things we need to build. So we built like a very demo-y version of it. And that's kind of what we're wrapping up right now. And then we're going to hook up that version to do very basic things for like one or two customers. And everyone's excited about that. Um, so I think that that's, I mean, yeah, that's key. And the last thing that just came to mind is like, I think the other thing is, you know, I, I said it before, but like your job as a PM isn't to be like the person it's not to be like the expert it's not to be like the smartest person in the room your job is to like listen to a lot of opinions and then pick a direction and go that way and sometimes you're gonna pick directions that are wrong and i think one of the best things that you can do is to just especially with like engineers that you have long relationships with is just like own it like they you know and like on the other side right engineers roll out code that's bad code not frequently but they do and like Sometimes you have a project that just doesn't go the way that you think it would. And just being like, hey, guys, like, here's why we thought this. And here's why the outcome is different. And here's what we're going to do about it is a very valuable conversation. And so I have this mid-break segment. And this is literally just to show listeners what you're doing outside of work, showing them that work doesn't have to eat up your whole life, right? So what are some things that you're working on, projects, hobbies, travel, whatever it is? Um, please share that with us. So it's it's getting to be it's going to be warm in Boston. Well, theoretically, it's getting to be warm in Boston. Um, so once it gets warm, I uh, I, I actually belong to a, a sailing club, so I sail on the harbor, like in the ocean, um, most weekends. Um, I've played frisbee, like ultimate frisbee, almost my entire life at this point. It feels like so. There's like a couple teams I play for. Um, those are like my main kind of outside of work, outside of work hobbies, and then um. I mean, other than that, I've been been poking around with a friend of mine on um, uh, building a couple uh, tools and software for um, uh, like real estate research and stuff. We we know a bunch of people who do awesome. like yeah. big time investing and stuff, and they've asked for some tools, so we're starting to play around and explore that. So summers are generally busy, <laughs> and it's yeah, nice. Like yeah. uh, you know, I'm 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 lucky that that Salsify has has you know pretty good work life balance and. I can kind of get out of the mm -hmm. office right around five o'clock most days and have a, have a life. But, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. And I'm sure in Boston, since the winter is like pretty rough, I'm sure you're excited for this like nice summer weather to Yeah. <laughs> we've had, uh, in the past three, I think three weeks or four weeks, we've had like two days where we've seen the sun and the rest of it's been like 50 <laughs> and rainy. So yeah. And you know not great. It feels like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it'll be it'll it'll start getting warm soon, and all of your activities will be like prime time for your for your activities. Um, and yeah, good luck on the real estate tools. That sounds like a really nice like market to um to build tools for because I think it's kind of like this underrated market. Yeah, and it's like everyone's interested in it right now, and you know, there's there's um there's some there's some interesting opportunities there, but that's true of pretty much anywhere you look <laughs> these days. So. 
This is true. <laughs> um, sweet. Awesome. So to wrap up the episode, I wanted to um, share with listeners, if they want to get connected with you, where is like the best place that they can reach out um, to connect with you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a website. It's pretty straightforward. It just links to a bunch of social media, but um, uh, boblinder.com is pretty good. Um, I tend to, I mean, my focus is really trying to, to put out some longer form content on Medium for the most part. Um, I mean, I'm on Twitter and everything else, but I'm not I wouldn't exactly describe myself as an active social media user, so um, definitely feel free to just just email me. That's probably the best way to get in touch. Um, you can follow me on Medium. I've got some other stuff, um, some some vague notions of some other things I'd like to, to publish this year, although I'm a little bit behind. Awesome. So that's that's probably it. Perfect. Yeah, and I'll link everything in the show notes as well. So if you're interested in contacting Bo for anything or just following him on Medium to see what he's going to be writing about um, in these next few months make sure to check out the show notes for all of those links and you'll get redirected there. So thank you very much again, Bo, for jumping on with me today. And yeah, just thank you very much. It was really great having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of Elevated Life. We're currently in season one. Season one is focusing on product, which is a space in the tech industry focused on building for users. We'll keep on bringing folks this season to talk about their struggles, their challenges, and any successes that they've had. And with those stories, they'll provide you, the listener, value, and you'll be able to take inspiration and apply that to your own endeavors in life or in your career. If you learned something from this episode, feel free to tweet at us at Elevated Life on Twitter. Please check us out on our website where you can listen to all the recordings at elevatedlife.com. We're also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. If you have just one minute out of your day, please go over to Apple Podcasts and do leave us a review. Even if it's not a five-star review, we definitely still want to hear back from you because the show is for you. You right there on that other, <laughs> the other side of this. So make sure to let us know your feedback, concerns, or any new topics that you'd like us to cover. Make sure to subscribe to stay tuned for more episodes. 